Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, December 20th. We begin with a look at the bitterly cold weather we've been witness to this week. Our on-air contributor Dave McIver breaks down what you need to know if you're working in these frigid cold temperatures to stay safe and warm. What headlines stood out in 2022? We discuss the major Canadian news stories with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. The extreme cold has grounded flights and travel plans on the busiest travel week of the year. We catch up with the travel lady, Leslie Cater, for some tips on how to cope amidst delays, cancellations, and the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. And finally, we take a look, or more to the point, a listen to the top musical tracks and trends of 2022. Alan Cross, broadcaster and music writer, joins us for a review of the past 12 months in music, from the chart toppers, best performances, and the musical group he has high expectations for in 2023. It is cold. There's no fancy way to say it. Freezing with those wind chill values reaching minus 40 or colder. Our on-air contributor Dave McIver went out. He braved the elements to find out and talk to people who need to be outside for work, for example, what they do to stay warm and what are some signs you should be aware of when it comes to being at risk. Uh, What's like to work in the cold and also what we should know about taking our pets outdoors. Here's Dave McIver. With the temperatures in the minus 20s and the wind chill value into the minus 40s, it's tough to be outside right now. Despite the frigid weather, it's not an option for businesses to close for the four to five day cold snap and employees have to brave the outside. And it doesn't come with a risk. Kyle Britton is a freelance journalist and a weather expert who spent four years with the Weather Network. He knows frostbite is something that can set in quickly and has some tips for those who need to be outside. With wind chill values near minus 40, you're looking at five to ten minutes or less. And uh, and of course, frostbite, it, it starts from the outside. Like frost nip is the first step. That's that is reversible. You just got to warm your skin slowly. One tip is, though, if you do get frostbite, uh, your skin will become discolored, white, yellowish, waxy, hard. That is not good. You need medical attention at that point. Don't rub your skin. Most people think they want to rub their skin. You don't want to do that because you're just going to increase the amount of tissue damage you can do, right? So it's the slow rewarming. If you've frozen your skin deep, you got to get uh, medical attention right away. If you're working for eight hours, it really depends on how much you know physical output you've got and how much that's changing throughout the day, right? So always dressing in layers is the best uh, place to start, having a wind-resistant outer layer, warm, waterproof footwear, and of course, just covering all exposed skin, right? So especially those extremities, fingers, toes, ears, and nose. So those are going to be the ones that are going to be impacted by potential frost nip, frostbite first. So keeping those covered, of course. But if you're working um, and, you know, you're, it's a consistent output, you may be sweating. And that's a really bad thing if your clothes get really wet. Because then, of course, not only looking at the risk of frostbite, but also potentially hypothermia because wet clothes you have that added effect of evaporation. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a matter of like, okay, if I'm working really hard, you're actually wearing less, just enough clothes to stay warm. But if you're kind of stopping for a little bit, head indoors or put on extra layers. Zach Nelson works with Modern Rentals, and even though it's cold, it doesn't stop from him having to deliver and pick up items. It's cold this time around. Like, if it was like minus 10 or something, wouldn't be that bad, but... It's cold today. Probably one of the coldest days I've worked outside. So, actually, I was just out on the roof today picking things up in this freezing cold. Long pants, of course. Gonna put on some sweatpants underneath my uh, cargo pants. And I got a Rangers 
sort of sweater on and a Seahawks sweater plus a jacket, but I have a toucan mitts with me. When we're in the truck, we get warm. When we're back outside, we get cold again. That sort of thing. And those with dogs should also be wary of our furry friends in these temperatures. Many people want to get the pups out for a stroll. Weston Jakes is the Director of Communications with the Calgary Humane Society. He has some advice for walks and ways to keep those high-energy dogs busy. We are feeling the, the cold as humans, and so we know our dogs are too. And so, you know, the advice from us here at the shelter is to keep walks as short as you can. Obviously, you know, your pets need to go out, dogs need to go out for a potty break. So we kind of say, keep it to that and then bring them bring them back inside. You know, there are going to be those breeds that love when it's this cold. And so, you know, if they do want to play out in the backyard, you know, just make sure you're mindful and and keep keep that short as well. And so, you know, all that pent up energy, you want to look to other things like maybe a snuffle mat or puzzle toys or even, you know, kibble around the house is a bit of a scavenger hunt just to kind of keep them occupied and keep their minds uh, minds moving. You know, there's a number of products on the market to kind of help with weather when it's this cold. You know, especially if you have a dog with shorter hair, there's a number of jackets out there that you can purchase. Uh, the biggest concern is obviously their paws. And so if there are a line of boots out there, that uh, if you can get your dog to wear them, uh, they're super helpful. So we always say, you know, my dog specifically, you put the boots on her and she just stands there and doesn't know what to do or does like the horse trot. And so, you know, you kind of want to take your time. You're introducing something that's foreign to them. And so kind of being mindful of that. Lots of positive reinforcement, lots of treats. And then hopefully once they realize that uh, it's protecting the their paws, that they're more than willing to kind of wear them when it's this cold. Yeah, the biggest thing for sure is going to be when they start lifting their paws. And so you can tell that it's definitely too cold for them. And so at that point, uh, if you've got a smaller dog, maybe pick them up and carry them back inside. But if you've got a larger dog, try to get them back inside and warmed up. Um, and then also be mindful, you know, if you're doing neighborhood walks on the sidewalk, there's a lot of salt out there. And so when you get them home, just make sure that you wipe any of that off so it's not irritating and that they don't lick it because that can be not not so good for them. So stay warm out there, Calgary, if you can. The bitter cold is supposed to hang around for just a few more days. For 770 CHQR, I'm Dave McIver. From the Freedom Convoy to the Hockey Canada scandal and the proposed federal gun ban, it's been a busy news year in Canada. Joining us with a look back at the biggest Canadian news stories of 2022 is Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Morning, Mercedes. Hey, good morning. Good morning to you. Freezing cold out here in Calgary. Hope you're a little bit warmer in Ottawa. It's it's not quite Calgary cold, but uh, we've got a lot of snow here. So <laughs> It is bitterly cold, so be prepared if you're coming out this way to visit your family over the holidays for sure. Uh, let's get into what happened in 2022, and I know newsrooms across the country voted Freedom Convoy, the freedom, so-called Freedom Convoy, as the biggest news story of 2022. Do you, do you think that it was, in, in your opinion, as well? I think certainly for Canada it was. Uh, I mean, I'd argue that globally it's Ukraine, um, mm. but here in Canada for Canadian journalists, uh, we finally, you know, <laughs> used to joke that nothing ever happened in Ottawa. Something happened in Ottawa. A very big thing happened in Ottawa, and it has in many ways altered uh, the discussion in Canada, the way that politics are unfolding to, to this date, to uh, how, how the Conservative Party decided to choose their next leader and who that is. Um, 
to discussions around dinner tables, but also the world was watching. Uh, CNN, BBC, all of these big international news outlets were looking at what was happening here. And, and it wasn't just sort of this artificial media attention. Uh, when I deployed to Europe and into Ukraine earlier this year, I got asked about this over and over mm. again by people who we would run into, uh, taxi drivers, people working in hotels when they found out you were Canadian. It was almost the first question that they would ask you after are you here because of the war was what about that truck protest in your mm. capital do you know anything about it uh, and that to me was a real indicator of just how big that story really was uh, not only for canadian politics and for the people that it affected who were both protesting and living in the downtown uh, for the government for the provinces but just really for sort of our whole political dialogue here in canada which was changed by that we haven't seen like that uh, in this country before. So I agree that uh, for Canadians, that was absolutely, uh, in my opinion, the number one story of the year. Yeah, we look back and we look at the impact, as you mentioned, Mercedes, and, and, and the followed. But I'm wondering, are we packing this up or will it leave a legacy, not just the Freedom Convoy, but the Emergencies Act and the use of it on Canada as, as we move ahead to 2023 and beyond? I think we will continue to see the impact. I think we will continue to see um, not only some of the polarization that has happened, but also the discussion. Um, I, I'm not sure if we'll see more of the hardening of positions, but that was the biggest thing that I noticed. Um, as somebody who covers politics and who interacts with the public was this um, sort of very strong polarization and hardening. It, it went from sort of discussion and you could see the split happening in politics to it becoming the most clear-cut um, and at times on, on both sides very vicious way of interacting um, and that has changed things a little bit. I don't think it necessarily means that it won't change back. I'll be very interested to see what effect, you know, the pandemic petering out has on how people interact and how much of that was sort of a product of isolation and frustration during the pandemic um, and how much of it might be here to stay. Because if you look south to the United States, they saw a drastic change in their politics um, and it hasn't really gone away. It's not as intense as when Donald Trump was the president, but it's still there. I'll be interested to see if that polarization stays here as well. Yeah, gee, I hope it softens up too. I don't like the way it turned in Canada, that's for sure. But uh, let's talk a little bit about another issue that was certainly huge in 2022. You broke it originally, and that was all of the issues, the sexual abuse issues in in Canada's military. Do you think enough is being done, or is there still so much work to do to fix the broken culture in Canada's military? You know, I think it it honestly remains to be seen because change is very slow, especially culture change. Um, and we just heard from Anita Anand that, you know, last week that they're going to accept all 48 recommendations made by former Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour, but there's still not really a roadmap. There's no timelines on that for when some of these things are going to happen. Um, my sense talking to a lot of the troops is certainly that it's it's something they're concerned about and interestingly a lot of them view it as generational uh, they think things are going to change when sort of the younger generation comes up through the ranks who have a different tolerance for this kind of stuff than, than the previous generation did um, we'll remain to see if that is the case and of course the Canadian Armed Forces have a lot of very serious concerns as well about their equipment, their ability to deploy, the number of people who are in. Um, so it's an institution that's, that's really struggling right now in a lot of ways. Um, and it's interesting to see that against, and concerning to see that, against the backdrop 
of what's happening with international security with Russia and China. And sort of Canada's ability, not that we're going to go fight the Third World War, um, but also to defend our sovereignty and our security. And that increasingly is becoming difficult. Uh, and, and some folks say you know, this is a binary issue. It's between either they have enough people and can do their job or not. It's not about sexual misconduct. Um, a lot of the troops I've talked to see it both ways. They see that if, if you're afraid that the person next to you might not be trustworthy, it's pretty tough to fight next to them if, mm. if you're worried about your safety. Um, so that is an issue that needs to be dealt with. But that doesn't mean that it has to be at the expense of or instead of looking at the issues around equipment and recruitment. Um, and frankly, too, so I hear a lot of from the troops, the conditions they're living in on the basis, rodents, uh, infestations, mold, um, those are a lot of buildings. They're very expensive, but people don't want to join up to live in those conditions. You mentioned China, and, and uh, obviously we're not taking it in that World War Three and Canada participating uh, uh, lane, but our relationship with China, it has been rocky over the past handful of years. Uh, where does Canada, and, and where do we see Chinese uh, relations, uh, Canada-China relations, rather, uh, as we head into 2023? Well, I think this has been another huge story this year, and it's another one that's going to continue to be a story into 2023, as you noted. Um, there's just so many aspects to this. I mean, we rely on China hugely for our economy. So it's very difficult to cut the ties. But at the same time, um, we are seeing the Chinese government behave in ways that are very much not in the interests of Canada or Canadians. There's concerns about election interference. There's concerns uh, about espionage. There's concerns about all kinds of things, and, and there seems to be a more concerted effort than I've seen previously from the government to deal with it. For example, they passed changes um, to the Foreign Investment Act. They have passed changes in the critical mineral strategy. They've introduced the Indo-Pacific strategy. Sounds like three separate things, but when you read them, the common thread through them is trying to push back and control that relationship with China and recognizing uh, which is very different than early on in their mandate, obviously, that China is to be viewed with great caution and as a threat potentially and not as a friend and somebody to get closer to, although they acknowledge we do have to do business. So they're trying to find that balance in a way that I haven't seen before, and it's the first time I've sort of seen coordination from multiple government departments. That said, there's a lot still to be done. We have not created a foreign agents registry, which would force people working for foreign governments uh, in their interest to register here or otherwise potentially face consequences. And we also don't have a hostile actors law where if somebody is working on behalf of one of these regimes, moving money, for example, uh, trying to affect political campaigns, that would become something that is illegal. So there's big holes in the law right now that they're looking at and addressed to some degree in the UK and Australia. The Americans are talking about this. So that's sort of the next step is how do we try to introduce laws uh, to protect Canadian democracy against interference. And that's something that they're just sort of really starting to look at now, even though we know that they were warned in at least early 2020 based on documents that we've obtained. Well, we'll be watching for that story in 2023, but boy, a lot happened in 2022. We are grateful that you join us every week to chat about all the stories that you've been talking about on the West Block and beyond. So thank you. Merry Christmas and looking forward to chatting with you again in 2023. Thanks. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks, Mercedes. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block.
Hi, Lass. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thank you for playing that. Such good memories. You're very welcome. Beautiful song. Trying to get lots of Christmas music on as we head towards the big day. Uh, a lot of people heading towards the big day, and that is their time to fly. Mm-hmm. So as you are saying, pack your patience and your parka. This cold has really had a big effect on, on flights. Lots of delays during mm-hmm. what really is busiest travel season of the year, perhaps the busiest travel week of the year. Exactly. That's right. And what we're hearing as well is there are some schedule changes that are leaving people scratching their heads. For example, you book a non-stop flight, uh, have someone from Palm Springs back to Edmonton, suddenly there's a schedule change and you're spending an overnight in Calgary. <laughs> Crazy. You know, so it's, it's frustrating. Oops. Extra costs for an overnight hotel. So Obviously, there's a lot going on here. Um, The airlines, airports are short-staffed and uh, the weather's horrible. So combine all of those things together. And I say be prepared, but you know what? Sometimes you just are stuck. Mm -hmm. Oh, Do we have any, uh, do travelers have any recourse if you end up having to spend a night in a city you weren't planning in as far as the costs that you incur for our hotel? How does that work? Well, you know, it's difficult I, getting hold of anybody. Uh, for example, my daughter was stuck in Kamloops a few weeks back when WestJet had the malfunction of their system. And um, I had to buy her another ticket for her to get home to her kids. I, we haven't heard anything. And how do you even contact somebody? There's no email address. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing. So it, it is difficult for people and it's frustrating. But I do understand as well from the airline's point of view, it's difficult to get staff now. So there's no point shouting at the girl behind the counter. Because there's nothing to do with her. No, it's not her fault. Yeah. There are a lot of things that are slowing us down and really kind of getting in the way of our traveling. But, you know, one of the things we're hearing a lot about are lost bags, lost luggage. So what do you recommend about that? Because I know that's something I try to never put anything important in my suitcase anymore. Yes, exactly. That's right. I mean, I've had cases where people have uh, lost their baggage and then they say, oh, but I really need it because it's got my medication Mm -hmm. in it. Like, no, don't do that. Uh, Now, this new technology with these tracing tiles, uh, people are putting those inside their suitcases so that they can uh, trace their bags. And I heard a story from one traveler where she was saying to the counter, you know, my bag is in the airport. And the counter was saying, no, it's not. It's still at your original destination. And she said, look at my phone. It's beeping. It's showing that my phone is right here. 200 yards away. But it is a good reminder, you know, medication is one, but jewelry. Yes. Never put your jewelry in your checked luggage. Carry it on your in your bag, in your carry-on, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. And any important papers, anything like that, never put them in your checked yeah. bags anymore, ever. Good point, because I can do without my swimsuit. I'll go in the raw. But if it's, oh. a, if it's a family heirloom piece yeah. of jewelry, you're not going to get rid of that, right? No. You're not going to ever get that back. Just let true. me know where you're going and I'll avoid it. <laughs> I know he's ruined all of our vacations now. Um, anything else that you think we should know about? What's kind of your, your biggest tip right now? Is it, we don't get any food on the flights anymore? Is there something about that? Or just, you know, just really being kind of prepared for you and kids particularly? Oh, yeah. If you're traveling with kids, I mean, don't leave the house without packing a few protein bars, uh, chocolate 
something, just a little bit of sugar to keep those uh, kids from getting wound up too much. Uh, you know, you might be standing for four or five hours in a, a lineup. I, and I know myself, it's hit me when I was traveling through Dallas. They had a sprinkling of snow, so they couldn't cope with that. The airport closed down completely. Every hotel with a kilometer of 50 uh, kilometers away was fully booked, wow. so I slept on the floor. Oh, <laughs> in the end. You know who you are. <laughs> hey, just just before we let you go, we've got about twenty seconds left, yeah. Leslie. But I know you don't have the crystal ball with you. But does twenty twenty three look like things are going to be a little smoother for us when it comes to travel? What what can you see? Uh, yes, yes, I am an optimist. I'm very positive about it because <laughs> everybody's getting back into the business now. Everybody wants to travel. It's lucrative for the airlines, the tour companies, the cruisers to make this seamless. And look, it, COVID threw a spanner in the wrench and, and, and it was difficult for them to get up mm -hmm. and running. But we will get there. Thank you very much. Merry <laughs> Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Thanks for joining us and, and always sharing your expertise and your knowledge about the travel industry. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Sending you Christmas hugs. Thank you. Leslie Cater is The Travel Lady. You can go online and find her at thetravellady.ca. A dose of Sue and Andy helps you start your day on the right foot. Mornings with Sue Dial and Andrew Schultz on 770 CHQR. What were the biggest music stories in 2022? Joining us to talk about the artists that made waves this year is Alan Cross, broadcaster, consultant, music writer, professional music geek, and he is our guest this morning. Hi, Alan. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm good. It's uh, that time of year where we look back and try to figure out exactly what happened over the last 12 months in music. It, and it's hard sometimes to think until you start the ball rolling. So what do you think? What were a couple of the biggest music stories in your mind from 2022? Well, I would start with uh, the role of TikTok. Uh, if, if you haven't been paying attention, TikTok has become an absolute monster when it comes to music. It is more or less the same has is having more or less the same effect as MTV and much music had on youth in the early 1980s. That's where a lot of kids are getting their, their music these days. And the interesting thing about TikTok is that it's such short attention span viewing. I mean, 30 seconds and you are, you're off to something else. And, uh, it has become very addictive for a lot of people. It has become a place to break music. It has been uh, become a place to discover old music. So that certainly has been, a very, very big deal. Um, TikTok is run by a company out of China called ByteDance. And ByteDance also owns a streaming music service called Reso. And Reso is currently in operation in India, Brazil, and Indonesia. And they're trying to turn Reso into a global music streaming service that would, um, that would uh, compete with Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon and all the rest of them. Uh, right now, what you do is when you watch TikTok and you find a song that you like, you only get the 30 seconds, so you have to leave the app to go and hear the whole song. If they manage to integrate Reso into TikTok, that means that you will never have to leave TikTok to hear the entire song, which has uh, all the other streaming music platforms very worried. However, there are some negotiations going on between uh, ByteDance and Reso in the music industry, and they're not going really well mm. at the moment. Well, you know, you just gave credibility to TikTok when you compared <laughs> it to Much Music and MTV. You're you not it, kidding. You put it in terms I can understand. That's why we talked to Alan Cross. Uh, let's talk about one of the biggest names in music, Taylor Swift. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's 
know in 2022, she literally broke Ticketmaster. <laughs> How big of a year was it for Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift is uh, one of the last remaining superstar unicorns. Uh, she can do whatever she wants, and people will go out and buy tickets and buy albums by the dozens. Uh, her Swifties are some of the most loyal music fans out there. They're currently <laughs> ganging up on Ticketmaster over the uh, fiasco when it came to uh, selling her tickets for her eras to her. That did not work out so well. Um, I, I don't know what you can say about her other than the fact that uh, she's not only successful and she's powerful. And her next thing in 2023, after she gets through this eras tour, is going to be to write and direct a movie. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, Taylor is going to be with us for quite some time. Another big story, I think, was, and it, you know, a little bit in the rear view now, but that's the Super Bowl halftime show. Boy, that was uh, just a massive come together of Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, 50 Cent. Was there anything else that happened in 22 that was as big as that? Well, that was an interesting one because it showed that um, hip-hop has reached its it's classic phase. Uh, you, you know, hip-hop used to be you know, brand new and leading edge and all the rest of it. But what was interesting about that is is now it, it, that that one performance that lasted 12 minutes showed that TikTok, uh, that uh, hip-hop is uh, now a very mature genre. It has stratified into generations. And uh, people are now nostalgic for classic hip-hop which is something brand new. Yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoyed that halftime show, I'll tell you. Mm. Looking forward to seeing what's in store for 2023. Now, let's talk about uh, chart toppers of 2022. We might mention Taylor Swift's name again, but who won when we talk about the charts? I'm going to say, and this is a bit controversial, I'm going to say it's Kate Bush. Okay, let's just go through this. So back in May, uh, episode four, Stranger Things features uh, Running Up That Hill. And uh, this is a song from 1985 that had been, you know, quite successful back in the day. And it's, I guess you would call this a a solid classic alternative song. But after it appeared in that show, it absolutely blew up. And I did some research just the other day. And streams for Running Up That Hill increased by 20,000% in 2022. And Kate Bush earned somewhere around $2.5 million extra unexpected dollars uh, because of that. This is called a TV sync. When you grant the use of your song for use in a television show or movie or something like that, and a lot of artists have been rather skeptical about doing this because ah, it's kind of selling out or whatever. But now everybody wants to sync with a TV mm-hmm. show. Uh, you know, Metallica had a, had a, had a hit um, based on a, a Stranger Things sync as well. And right now everybody is watching the uh, Netflix series Wednesday, which was by Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And uh, that features a song by uh, a psychobilly band uh, from the early 80s called The Cramps. And the song is called Goo Goo Muck. You better duck when I show up. That song is, is now starting to really uh, you know, ex- explode in terms of streams as people discover an old song because it is new to them. And the venue or the, the vehicle for introducing this song is a TV show. 
So if we can put all these sort of things together, we can see that the, the charts are going to change because of the ways songs are being discovered and then how they blow up. Brilliant. Okay, a couple of seconds left. I want you to just answer off the top of your head one answer. Who is going to blow it up in 2023? Who are we watching for? Um, I think we're going to see uh, there's a band from, uh, uh, this is my, my hope and preference, there's a band uh, from England called Wet Leg. They had a very good debut album this year. I'm hoping they can maintain momentum for 2023. We'll be watching for them. Thank you so much. Look for Wet Leg and always look for Alan Cross online at a journalofmusicalthings.com. Thanks for your time and uh, well, happy new year to you. You too. Alan Cross, broadcaster, consultant, music writer, and professional music geek.